I've been hiding it for some time, afraid that if I told you, something terrible might happen. But I'm not going to hide anything anymore. This is Final Fantasy VII. Welcome to Skies of Academia, a podcast about critical analysis of games, their systems, and their social and cultural influences. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Luke. I, I'm i the one who came up with the name Skies of Academia, and I still get more and more like... Uh, I, I dislike the title every time I hear it spoken out loud, just because <laughs> no one who's been involved in this podcast ever has been any kind of game academic. No... <laughs> What if we just toss an M in there and make it Skies of Macadamia, where we just eat cookies and talk video games? I mean, I suppose we could, but then I'd have to change the album. I'd have to ask, like, Malachi to change the album art to oh, have cookies don't, in don't, it. Don't bug Malachi about it. Just pop it open and paint and just draw an M in there. <laughs> just, draw, just draw a cookie. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Uh, because Final Fantasy Remake, this Final Fantasy VII Remake came out recently. Yeah. Uh, but Luke, it's it. You recently played Final Fantasy VII for the very first time. Yeah, uh, I have uh, a terrible habit of uh, just feeling horribly left out anytime anything's very popular with everybody, even if it's something I have no interest in. Uh, for instance, I mean I that every Kingdom Hearts game. It, yeah, I mean, that worked out pretty well for you, right? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, the Final Fantasy Remake was coming out, and I don't know, I saw enough of the combat stuff in that game that it looked kind of cool to play, uh, so I decided I was going to get it despite having never played FF7. Um, but then I kept seeing people... We're not going to spoil the remake in this episode, because I don't know what happens... But I kept seeing people talk about how there was some really crazy spoiler at the end of the FF7 remake. Uh, like, even for people that know the story already. So I was like, ah, maybe I should maybe I should play the original Final Fantasy VII first. And so I have the context to understand whatever people are freaking out about. Um, so I have played a little bit of FF7 remake. Uh, I did, like, the first reactor, but... And then okay. I kind of put it down and um, have been playing through all of Final Fantasy VII, which I finished the other day for the first time. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII is one of the, those games that kind kind of defined what nerds talked about for like a decade. Yeah, yeah. And as a result, <laughs> like... I kind of hated it. <laughs> as someone who did not own a PlayStation... Didn't really like JRPGs that much. Uh, and, yeah, I just got really, really sick of people going nuts over Final Fantasy. Yeah, I, I didn't own a PlayStation, but my best my, my best friend did. I had the N64. He had the PlayStation 1, so we would, yeah. like, swap. 
um, yeah. whenever necessary, uh, which is good because like the N sixty four until Paper Mario came out, like just didn't have RPGs. Sure, like unless you count Quest sixty four, but why would you? Yeah, I <laughs> um, <laughs> really really liked Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo, and I still think that's a great game. It's it's shows its age a little bit, but this, the fundamentals are good. Um, and there are things about it that I think are much more engaging than the traditional JRPG formula. I like that there's not random encounters. There's enemies on the field that you can avoid. I like that there are, like, button inputs you have to time when you do your attacks to make it more, like, active. Yeah, um, I, I, w- I will say, even for, like, just the PS1 era, and even just for, like, square PS1 JRPGs... FF7 is a real rough one to go back to gameplay-wise. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like, just making the jump to any, like, more traditional JRPG was really hard for me as a kid, just because it always felt not as interesting. Like, every time... This happens to me even now. If I'm playing a game with random battles and a random battle starts, I feel like I got punched in the face. Like, no, I was in the (laughs) middle of something. Go the fuck away, you dumb lizard. I don't want to fight you right now. Uh... Yeah, and that, like, I tried FF7 at a friend's house years after it came out, and I got, like, 30 minutes in. I got to the point where you set the timer on the bomb in the Mako reactor, and on the way out, I think I got turned around somehow, and, like, the timer, <laughs> d- the, the bomb went off when I was still which, in there. Which is wild, because that place is linear as hell. Yeah, I was a dumb kid. There's, True. like, there's blurry pre-rendered backgrounds with doorways that you cannot actually go into. Uh, I think I just got confused and lost all the progress I'd made. I was like, well, I did not have enough fun doing that the first time to do it again. So I think we're done here. <laughs> so how did, how did you feel? So before I get ask you how you felt about it, like, yeah. I remember I played FF7 for the first time when my friend came over and brought over his PS1. And I played that thing for like four hours straight. Uh-huh. Um, but I... But it wasn't actually the first JRPG I finished. The first JRPG I actually played to completion was FF8. Okay. So that was kind of like my JRPG for for quite a while until FF10 came around. Yeah, I get Um, you. So I didn't really... I I liked FF7 at the time, but I did not have the particular obsession with it that a lot of kids my age did. Uh Uh-huh. Um... I did watch Advent Children, though, because of course I did. <laughs> sure. I've, I uh, saw a little bit of, like, probably five minutes of Advent Children on a classmate's, like, PSP in high school or something. It's probably good enough. Yeah. Honestly. Like, I, I, I peeked uh, in to talk to somebody while the anime club was watching Advent Children. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I... Uh, there's still a part of me that does have a fondness for the original FF7, but... Uh, I did, I played it, I remember I played it through it a few years ago, and then I'd forgotten a lot of the details of how the story actually goes after Midgar. Yeah. Um, So I was like, oh, I'll try playing it again, you know, before we record this. (sighs) I I got to, uh, what city did I stop at? I think I got, uh, I got to Costa del Sol. Okay. I was like... You know this isn't very fun, uh, and and then I just stopped and read a let's play and a story summary. 
Yeah, that's that's reasonable. Because um, I was like, I've already done this twice, like I, and it's not very fun the third time around. Uh, so that's sort of how I have sort of soured on the original FF7. I gotcha. Uh, yeah, I played all of it in the space of like a week, week and a half maybe. I had an okay time for the most part. Uh, I am a lot more patient with games than I was as uh, like a preteen. <laughs> Um, so the things that I don't like about this genre were much easier for me to kind of put up with. I mean, listen, I've played multiple Persona games at this point. I've played Chrono Trigger, like, <laughs> yeah. Earthbound. Like, I've played JRPGs of, of a lot of different, you know, styles. Uh, unlike when I was, you know, first tried this game. So, I don't know. I had the right attitude towards it, I think. And also, the modern ports, uh, let put a, a bunch of cheats into the game that make it way yeah. more tolerable. Yeah, here's the thing. I, I actually, even though I owned FF7 already on Steam, I bought it for 15 bucks on PSN because the Steam version does not have those features. Oh, does it not? Okay, yeah. No. Only the only the PS4 port has those cheat codes. That has those like cheat things. Where well, the, the Switch version does too. That's where I played it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. okay. So I guess it's like PSN and Switch. Yeah, All right. I'm sure the Switch one is the same exact thing. Just probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's you can click in the left stick to make the entire game run at three x speed. Yeah. You can click in the right stick to make you instantly heal from every attack and also have full limit bars the entire time, so you can just do unlimited super moves. Uh, and you can click in both sticks to just turn off random encounters if you don't feel like dealing with them. Yeah, the FF10 HD uh, stuff also has those features, and actually has a bit more Ooh. than that. Oh, um, shit. Okay, cool. So, maybe I can finally convince you to play my favorite Final Fantasy all the way through. I will uh, say, I uh, had a good enough time with this that I am willing to try any Final Fantasy that has quality of life uh, cheats in it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm like willing to try like 8, 9, 10, I think 12 has some of that stuff too, right? Uh, yeah, 12, 12 does as well. Yeah. And, like, I own um, 15. I may as well give it another shot sometime. <laughs> this is the first time I've played a Final Fantasy game for more than... I probably played 15 for, like, two hours. Before I realized I'd been had and it was just another Final Fantasy game. <laughs> Which is I was really in love like... with, like, the road trip aesthetic of all the trailers. And it opens and it feels like it's delivering it on that. Like, it has that, like, cold open where they're pushing the lim uh, the, the convertible after it's, like, run out of gas. And, like, yeah. Stand By Me is playing in the background. I'm like, this is the game I bought. This is great. And then, within an hour, you're fighting Magitech warlords in Walker, Vex, so like, to save a princess. I'm like, oh, never mind. You, you okay, so me. I'm not going to get too deep into FF15. I'm just going to briefly <laughs> say that... Um, Aside from, like, the occasional main story missions, uh, the first half of that game, it still does have that road trip vibe, because a mm. lot of times you're just doing side quests and stuff. Yeah. And it does sort of, like, have... It's like, hey, we're doing we're doing a road trip, except also because this is a Final Fantasy world, there's, like, evil dogs that I have to fight in between pit stops. Yeah, which is exactly um, what I wanted. <laughs> Yeah, that game, which I would... uh, uh, Christine Love is making a game called Get in the Car Loser that looks like, it looks yeah. like her idea was what if Final Fantasy XV is what it billed itself as. Yeah, and, and also lesbians, <laughs> yeah. um, which I'm, I've liked every game Christine Love has made, so I'm 
I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, FF7. Um, what what was shocking to me when I replayed it was just how almost frenetic it is in, in the first yeah. part in terms of like how fast it go it churns through the story. It definitely does, yeah. Like, you're done with Midgar in three hours. <laughs> yeah, you're in and out of Midgar. Like, I I kind of get why they made the decision to make the remake only cover the, rem- uh, the Midgar chapter. Because Midgar is far and away, like, the most well-realized setting in that game. And they yeah. use it up real fast. Yeah, like, you're... You go so quickly through that content. And... Yeah. Like, you like, barely I get a looked, chance to... <laughs> I haven't looked into the spinoff stuff much. Is it mostly Midgar stuff? Like yeah, so... Ad- and all that? Yeah, so um, Advent Children takes place almost entirely in Midgar and the surroundings. Um, at least all the important fight sequences and stuff take place within Midgar. Mm-hmm. Uh, though it's not necessarily about Midgar. Sure. Um uh, and at uh, Crisis Core, it's been a while since I've played Crisis Core. Uh, but yeah, I believe like there's it's a PSP game, so it's like the missions are the PSP style of like bite sized stuff you can do like on the train or you know oh, sure, public yeah. transit. Um, so yeah, there there is stuff that happens in Midgar. There's also you also go to you you also go to Wu Tai occasionally. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's I haven't played that game since the PSP came out, so I can't say I remember a whole lot of it too I gotcha. well. Um, but yeah, I will say I don't think Midgard, the city itself, is expanded too much by the additional content. Okay. Uh, it's it, but it is used more as a backdrop, um, and particularly in crisis core like sephiroth and zach get a lot more time as actual characters yeah i think just like like play crisis core don't you yeah yeah Yeah. you also get to see like the friendship between zach and cloud develop and you you kind of understand why sephiroth was such a big deal as oh, okay. opposed to, like, in FF7. In FF7, you don't really get a sense of why yeah. everybody seems to love Sephiroth before he goes rogue. Uh, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. That part I don't mind so much. Uh, I, I don't mind that he's just like, oh, yeah, he's the coolest hero. That, I, I get it. I think you get everything you need from, like, that flashback where Sephiroth is in your party and you can't even touch the monsters and he one-shots them. I do like that scenario. You can't, you can't, he, he's in your party and you can't even like make, do the attack action for him. He just does it for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that part I, I was fine with. The thing that bothered me about Sephiroth is that he just, he goes like, does a 180 degree turn with no explanation at all. And he just immediately stops being interesting as a character. Yeah, and, and even back in the day when I first played FF7, I had that problem with Sephiroth. It's like, he, he has a cool aesthetic, but his motivation makes no sense. Like, he just, he he's a, he's a, he starts out as a cool dude, and then he finds out he's not human, and is like, alright, guess I gotta murder the world now. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how 
<laughs> Linearly, okay. we want to go through FF7 if I should hold back on some of this until we talk about Midgar more. I mean, we can we can talk about Midgar a little more, because I think it, like, yeah. sets up the characters. Like, yeah. one thing... So, like, Cloud remains, like... I do think FF7 uh, does still characterize Cloud pretty well as someone who is trying to be cool, but kind of isn't, and is mostly just socially awkward. I um, was surprised by how much I like Cloud as a character after being so exhausted by seeing his dumb, uh, pouty face all over the internet <laughs> for, like, 20 years. I actually kind of like him. Yeah, the secret about Cloud is that Cloud is actually a really good character, and that really what ruins him is the fan reaction to Cloud. Yeah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think once I got over, like, the um, very dated graphics of that game, like, I don't know. I was into it. I liked the characters. It's really hamstrung by how bad the translation is. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, uh-huh. if you if you are trying to cut it as much slack as you can, I don't know. I, I enjoyed spending time with those characters. They were all pretty good. Yeah, I I really like Cloud and Tifa. Barrett is unfortunate in that he he for the most part is largely portrayed as a joke. I don't know if that's true. Um or at least I remember getting that impression from the first two times I played FF7 is there that... is there is a degree to which the localizer is writing him like Mr. T, and that is unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I don't know, I definitely did not take him as a joke character. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just, like, the the bad parts of Barris writing, like, sticking out to me more as I remember yeah. sort of the writing in that game. But I I feel like outside of his backstory with Dine and... Uh, yeah. Where he, where like it's literally union busting storyline, uh, yeah, pretty much, and like the occasional dialogue he gets with Marlene, uh, Barish is kind of like this guy who lets his emotions get the better better of him, and like says outlandish things, and that's like what he's there for. Is... He does that sometimes. I don't know. Like the impression I had of Barrett coming out of it, like. His whole thing is that he is that very, like, you know, he's an eco-terrorist, and they're not, like, shy about that. And yeah. they kind of turn it into, like, yeah, listen, Avalanche has, like, a good cause. Shinra is evil, but really I just am mad at Shinra and just want a, an excuse to kill people associated with Shinra. And maybe I need to rethink, like, where I'm coming at this from, because if I'm doing this purely out of, like, uh, vindictiveness, then that's not the right way to do it. Yeah, I remember, like, wanting to like Barrett, but just kind of... Barrett also got a lot of credit, a lot of points for me very early in the game uh, for having a line that is kind of like one of the ones you're saying, but it made me laugh a lot. When you're in the Shinra building and uh, you find Genova in, like, her, um, like, cell thing. Oh, yeah. And, like, you look inside, and it's just, like, a pre-rendered drawing of, like, this weird, headless, naked alien lady with, like, yeah. eyeballs for nipples. And uh, Barrett's reaction is just, 
it, it's using that weird censor, censoring that they use in the dialogue where he says, like, what the fuck? It doesn't even have a head. This is stupid. Let's go. And I was like, all right, yeah. Barrett, you're my favorite character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I... What do you think... What do you think of, like, the optional characters? Uh, well, did not ever recruit Yuffie. <laughs> I ran into her once and I goofed up. It was like, oh, she wants to fight me, but I can, like, stop to prepare. So I opened the menu to, like, get Cloud ready for a one-on-one fight and I unpaused. No, it was a trick. She used it to run away. Yeah, there's a very there are very specific dialogue choices you need to make so yeah. that you don't get stuck into because like if if you say you that you do want to fight then like you can't actually initiate another fight with her like it basically and if you just talk to her she just gives you dialogue that you can't progress in so like you have to open up the menu and fail like if you've chosen that you want to fight her you have already failed oh i see so you have to like run into her more than once to get her yeah, well, you have to, like, run into her and fight her, and then there's, like, a dialogue option where you chose, where she says, ah, come on, let's go, and you're, like, not interested. She's okay. like, oh, it's because you're scared of me, aren't you? And it's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and there's, like, five or so specific dialogue options you need to pick. I see. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's kind of a pain, and, I, like, I, good I luck have... doing that without a guide. <laughs> right, I have no opinion about Yuffie. Yeah. I, I found uh, the Wutai village one time on accident, uh, well after <laughs> the equipment I had was better than what I could buy there, so I immediately left. Uh, Vincent, I got a little bit past where you get him, and like realized, man, I keep picking up guns. Isn't there <laughs> a gun guy in this game? Like, is it, It's like Vincent. He's the Dirge of Cerberus guy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned it on Twitter, and so I was like, oh yeah, you can get him at the mansion. You should probably just look it up, though. Uh, I went back to the mansion. I did figure it out all by myself, because I'm a smart boy. Uh, nice. I cracked open that safe. I fought the, the monster in there. Got... But then I had to look up how to open his coffin, because I couldn't... St- I failed to stand <laughs> in exactly the right spot to open it up. I'm like, well, clearly there's yeah. some puzzle here I'm not getting. What? Oh, I just have to... Oh, okay. I needed to be a pixel to the left for the trigger to work all right whatever yeah which kind of brings me to like going back to midgar because you had back to like the map design in, in this game where like the pre-render backgrounds are often pretty nice but also there's a lot of like little fiddly bits about traversing through the world and interacting yeah with objects where it's not even if you put on assist mode that gives you like um, little arrows that show you where the exits are. Right. Uh, can be a really real pain in the ass to figure out like what they're where they're wanting you to go exactly, and what you can or cannot interact with. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right about that. Um, I don't know. The pre-rendered backgrounds reminded me a lot of Mario RPG, so I was happy. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, my biggest opinion about this game's look is that it just shouldn't have. The none of the overworld stuff should have been 3D. It should have been 2D sprites, and then you switch into 3D for the combat. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure why they went with 3D outside of the fact that it's like, oh, we're on a PS1 now, we can flex, right? Which I think is also 
the uh, the design ethos behind basically all the mini games that pop up oh, with yeah. reckless abandon. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> like that. That's what that I totally forgot about that from the last time I played the game. But good lord, do they throw so many video game mini mini games at you just constantly? What you forgot about the slap fight mini game? I mean, I can never forget about the slap fight, but <laughs> but specifically, like I'm thinking the ones in Junon, because there's there's four in Junon that oh, I just the, straight like, up forgot about army marching stuff. Yeah, and not just that, but like there's a mini game for doing CPR. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like making a dolphin jump you up onto a pole. It's funny to think that FF7 invented the genre of game that Heavy Rain is. God, I don't... <laughs> the bit where you get... T- like, Tifa has to, like, get the key to unlock, like, the chair she's strapped to do, that is yeah, heavy rain and shit. That is... Yeah, that is just straight up heavy rain, because you, like, you're using different buttons to control each of her limbs. Yup. <laughs> and you have to, like, time the button presses so she can hand the key off from her feet to her, like, mouth. It's such a... It's such a weird... Weird game... Yeah. Or like the or like the one random stealth sequence in when you're climbing up Shinra Tower. Oh yeah, the one I failed over and over again. Uh, yeah, same. I failed that one so many times. And they make you do the entire thing over again, even though you're killing these dudes. Yeah. Like eventually there's only four of them on in this entire building. I shouldn't have to do this anymore, because I already murdered them. Ah, you know, they can only render so many soldiers on screen. You're supposed to be in like the enemy stronghold there should be basically limitless enemies uh yeah but also yeah it's just like all right do this which it's especially rough if you fail like at the last moment it's like yeah back to the beginning sucker yeah uh but yeah the i don't i can't think of a single mini game where i was like yes my experience is improved by this right right i know about you but um, I don't know. I didn't really object to them. I thought they were fine. For the most part. Again, that stealth one was annoying, but I kind of liked that they were trying to, you know, do different things. Yeah, I, I guess I guess to me, I would mind them less if they weren't so frequent. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where I, I think one of the most interesting things about this game is that they didn't know how to make this kind of game yet, so they were just throwing a lot of shit at the wall to see what stuck. yeah. Uh, like, and that extends a lot into the cutscenes where, like, they do not know how to do 3D animated (laughs) cutscenes yet. And, like, there's cutscenes in this game that look like friggin' David Lynch movies in a way I wasn't expecting. Where it's, like, four different versions of the same characters superimposed (laughs) over each other talking to each other. (laughs) Okay. There are also some kind of neat moments where, um... They actually, instead of, like, a static background, they actually put a pre-render video as the background. Yeah. But you're still, like, controlling the... You still have, like, the little polygonal dudes. Right, right. And can move around, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Um, And even in later games, that doesn't happen very often. I think... I think FF10 does it, like, once. Oh, yeah. And granted, it's pretty darn cool when FF10 eventually does it. But, like, it, it... doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, I, I guess um, by FF10 though, they're figuring like they can yeah. cross, they can 
render the whole game in real time, and they should do that to make it all yeah. cohesive. Yeah. Um, but, like, but the coolest even... things about this game's look are how it's not cohesive, and it's all just kind of a weird mess. Yeah, which is, like, true, like, especially, like, when you're, when you leave Midgar and yeah. are going through the various towns. You leave the Blade like... Runner city to go immediately to the most generic fantasy town there is. Yeah, Calm is like, ah, yes, the starting village. Yeah. Of of a random like Dragon Quest RPG, the, right. the the aesthetics of this game are just all over the place. Like the the Black Materia Temple is like this Indiana Jones style thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, then there's like whatever the hell is happening with Ketchi. Yeah, it's uh you know it's a toy cat that rides a stuffed animal. Uh huh. Uh, and then there's, like, the, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's, like, the, the Ancients area, like, where Oh, Aerith like the, dies. the, what's it called, the Forgotten City? Yeah, and that looks like it came straight out of Chrono Cross, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's just which... a lot of, but again, there's something kind of neat about that. Yeah. Like, I don't hate um, it. Yeah, I think with me, it's just that one of the things that struck me about after you leave Midgar, because, like, Midgar is a fairly cohesive experience. Right. As soon, as soon as you leave and you get to Calm and you have the Nibelheim flashback and are like, all right, guess we got to follow Sephiroth. It's just like, I don't have a coherent through line to this outside of just we're finding Sephiroth. Like, all the all the places you go to just don't seem to have much of a point in and of themselves like Junon eventually becomes more important but the first time you go there it's just like all right here's another city yeah you'll immediately leave it is i i think there's something to like 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 i said like calm or like the chocobo farm don't really fit into it but like pretty much every major city you go to is a version of midgar where it's oh here's a bunch of poor people farming dirt uh, and then there's, like, yeah. a rich cast that lives literally above them. Yeah, like but it, also with Junon, yeah. you get a giant cannon. Yeah, yeah, you get the sister, Ray. <laughs> yeah, as a sister to uh, the Metal Gear, Ray. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what if we just skipped the mobile part entirely and just made it a cannon instead? Right, yeah, but I mean, like, uh, what's the, like, Barrett's Town is the same way with, like, the gold saucer above it. Yeah, uh... Why can't I remember uh, Corel? Yeah, Corel. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just such a like weirdly put together game. Yeah, it is. Uh, it it kind of feels like I don't I don't know, but it it almost feels like they had three or four different ideas for what Final Fantasy VII would be, and they're like, well, we if we want enough art assets to make this game, we got to match all of these together. Yeah. Um one also one one interesting thing about FF7 like in regards to the story is that like so much of the discussion about FF7 story is often centered around like the big what is considered to be the big spoiler which is Aerith dying dying. That happens so early. Yeah, it happens like really early. I always um, assume because I'd basically seen the the cutscene where she dies uh many times. 
uh, I always assumed that was like the end of the game and like Sephiroth came down, killed her, and then you did the last boss fight. <laughs> yeah, but what's funny is like that's not even the actual biggest spoiler in the game. No. But but it's way harder to talk about the actual biggest spoiler of the game because well, it requires way more context. Yeah, the biggest spoiler of the game is weird. Yeah, because like Eric and also dies. isn't translated super well. Yeah, no, it's a little hard to it's figuring it out is not helped by the translation, but like like Aerith dies and then you just have an entire disc that's about like Cloud getting super introspective and having his entire like self break down and yeah. learning that he's not actually the Cloud he thinks he is right. And he just, like, copy-pasted, like, his his buddy Zack onto his own experiences so he could, like, function after the traumatic experiences he went through. Yeah, yeah. He, he just wanted to be a soldier, and he wasn't good enough. He was the guy throwing up. Yeah, he just wanted to be a soldier so he could impress Tifa. That flashback stuff is like, mm. Like, okay. I knew that FF7 was considered an influential game. I was not expecting to play this game and be like, oh, they're doing Kentucky Route Zero shit in this game. Yeah, they kind of are. Yeah, um, like, it's not as, it's not, like, as deep or, like, sophisticated as how some of KRZ stuff goes. But it's the same basic thing of, like, the game is narrating, like, the choices you make and, like, what... Like, the bit where, like, you go into Tifa's house and she's like, wait, did this really happen? And you can say yes or no? Yeah. Like, it's nothing, like, super profound, but it's just like, oh, you're doing weird shit here. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah, which is kind of neat, because, like, it just reinforces the idea that um, memory is mutable. Yeah. Um, and, un- and and inherently unreliable, uh, which sets up, you know, what happens in Disc 2. Right. Where you find out that everything you thought you knew was a lie. <laughs> right, right. I love when that reveal starts, like, when you're in, like, Cloud's memory... And Sephiroth is, like, there, like, conjuring the images of, like, the burning town. And Cloud's just like, ha, 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 yeah, okay, Sephiroth, you can keep showing me this shit all you like. I know it's fake. Right, Tifa? Tifa? <laughs> yeah, T- Tifa's, Tifa, please tell me. Ah, <laughs> uh, Tifa, don't let him get to you. Quit buying into this baloney. Come on. Yeah, which is what, like, makes... It's sort of like what really uh, nails Tifa and uh, Cloud as, like, really neat characters mm. um, is because, like, they're they're both really difficult and, like, traumatized, but for different reasons. Yeah. Because, like, Cloud went through a horrible experience of watching, like, his hometown die and then he was subjected to like crazy science exper- experiments and he fixed it by just like creating a new identity for himself like tifa also saw her entire like village die and then thought like one of her childhood friends also just died and then he comes back well, and no, she like does, this she just never hears from him again after he uh like leaves cuz she doesn't yeah. even know he's there Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, because he's uh, right. Because at, by the time he takes his um, Shinra uniform off to actually show his face, she's already she's already been like 
knocked unconscious by Sephiroth. Right, and, like, um, he wasn't even her childhood friend, really. Like, they kind of knew each yeah. other. Yeah. Like, he was a shitty boy who had a crush on her and, like, was kind of mean to her because of it. Uh, yeah, but, like, which does make me wonder, like, why, why did she bring him in when he came back? like all messed up oh, she still recognizes him and like like they, yeah. they were like friends they just don't have the kind of very close relationship that the early parts of the game give you the impression they did yeah and like cloud starts actually starting to recover and tifa just doesn't want him to like tifa knows he isn't what he thinks he is but also doesn't want to like hurt him again and make and like basically undo all the progress that's been made so she just doesn't say anything yeah uh which is a understandable error to make yeah it's gonna be i'm really curious to go replay the bits of the remake that i've played now now that i know that everything about cloud and tifa isn't true to like see how much of that you can pick up on in, like, Tifa's voice acting and, like, body language. Yeah. Because they basically it's... meet right before the start of the game, right? Yeah, because what happens is, like, Tifa meets Cloud, um, and... And he's just, like, passed out at the train station with the buster sword that she knows does not belong to him. Yeah, and, like, he... Uh, she basically, like, in order to help him, like... She basically, like, tr- keeps him around to help him recover, but, like, in order to actually, like, give him a reason to, like, stay there and actually, you know, or for, to give him a reason to stay around, uh, basically gets him, corrals him into doing a job for Avalanche. Yeah. Like, again, I, I have not gotten far into the remake. It does now retroactively make way more sense to me when she's like, oh, okay, well, now that that mission's done, why don't I, um... I found a place you can stay, like an apartment for you. That might be nice. Yeah. And maybe you can help me do some odd jobs around town, you know? Uh, maybe make some friends. Yeah, like she's, like her, Tifa's entire motivation is like, like something seriously messed up happened to my friend. I don't know what, but his memory is just all, he's all messed up. I need to keep an eye on him to make sure, like. I don't know how much she knows he's messed up, like. She knows that she found him basically in a ditch and that he's not doing well. But, like, I yeah. don't know of how much of, like, his false backstory she's heard at that point. Well, I mean, he, he does frequently talk about being a soldier. Sure, but I, I don't know if she knows that he never was or if it was just that, like, she assumed he was off on the other side of the world doing soldier stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I'm and not it wasn't sure. until, like, like the, the Nibelheim flashback when, like, He's explaining what happened and is wrong about everything where she's like, wait a second, this is, uh, huh. Like, if that's where she starts to really realize how, oh, okay, that's true. how off he yeah. is. Yeah, that, that might be where she puts it together that he wasn't didn't actually become a soldier. Yeah. But it, well, I was under the impression that, like, soldiers were famous famous enough. Maybe it's just Sephiroth who got all the media attention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one seems to really know Zack that much. True, yeah. Or, like, Angeal or Genesis. Yeah. Or, like, or like the new soldier they introduced in FF7R. Oh, okay, yeah. 
which is not a, it's not really a spoiler because like he doesn't fucking matter. He's sure. just a boss battle. But... Oh sure, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm sure he'll probably matter eventually, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I, I really like I especially like the scene where like they get when things start really going to shit and Cloud's in a wheelchair. Yeah. And T and Tifa tries to get him out of I, I think that's Corel that they're in. No, that's or is uh, that a different Medeal, I think. Medeal, okay. It's a town uh, that they don't fucking tell you how to find it. You just have to crawl over the map for an hour until you happen to yeah. bump into it. And yeah, and then they and then like the live stream starts uh like going all wild and spouting up across the world. Yeah. Uh, and the just and the hospital just falls into the earth. Yeah, yeah. And then you have this like really trippy scene where Tifa is trying to help Cloud reconstruct himself. Right, right. Like in the live stream where their minds have merged. Yeah. And it's just Cloud saying, "Yeah, I was a really shitty nerd who thought I was better than everybody, but now I know that I'm not." I'm like, oh. Oh, nobody that played this game in 1997 actually took it to heart. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, like, so much of the Final Fantasy fan base would be significantly better if they actually paid attention to literally any of the important story of FF7. <laughs> Instead, it's, it's, it's basically that Gundam meme of, like, wow, cool robot, except, right. like, wow, cool sword. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that is the FF7 fan base. FF7 says a big sword isn't a personality, and the fans say yes, it is. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, it's why Cloud is actually good. Yeah. Uh, you know who's not good is Sephiroth. What a bad villain. <laughs> oh, he's so boring, Dustin. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially because most of the time it's not even Sephiroth. It's just like. I mean, like... Genova. <laughs> that's the same character. Like, come on. Yeah. Come on with that. Uh, it, like, I I am referring to that entity as Sephiroth because the game does. All right, fair. Uh, but yeah, like, they, they do a lot of good stuff with, like, presenting him as, like, a very threatening presence or, like, anytime he's not on screen, they do a good job of building him up. Like, the whole... When you, like, wake up in Shinra Tower and, like, there's just, like, a bloody path up to the roof. That's cool. Yeah, or the Midgar Serpent being impaled on a tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the flashback stuff we already talked about, Reason Your Party. All that stuff, really good. As soon as he starts monologuing, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he doesn't have anything, like, particularly interesting to say. Like, early on, um, when he first starts to kind of go berserk, uh... He says that, like, he's one of the Ancients, and he wants to kill all the humans that wiped out the, the Ancients. I'm like, okay, you know what? I think he got there a little quick. Uh, would have liked a little more character building, but I can at least understand that motivation, and it kind of works as a foil to Avalanche, right? Where, yeah, like, it, yeah, it's like an escalation of what avalanche like is, is doing essentially yeah all right yeah i'm i'm into this so far and then by the next time you see him he's like oh yeah no i'm not an ancient um something else don't worry about it anyway gonna kill everybody and become god don't worry about it yeah like sephiroth's motivation eventually becomes like i'm going to slam meteor into the planet specifically where i am 
So that way it'll make a wound that the life stream has to go towards to heal the planet. But I, right. but it'll actually be me, Dio, right. uh, there all along. And I will absorb all the life stream yep. and become a super deity um, that will then pilot Midgar like a spaceship. I'm going to slurp up the biggest <laughs> smoothie anyone ever drank. Just going to slurp up all those souls. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, is a transition that make zero sense like yeah if, if if that was just jenova saying that then sure because jenova is set up as this alien entity that you know yeah jenova is probably that's probably his motivation is to just like travel to different worlds and consume its life force well, so sure, it I'm... can then travel to more worlds to consume that life force but yeah, as... like you said like it is jenova saying that because sephiroth and jenova are the same thing or whatever is it well, okay so, is it supposed well, to no, be Sep... no no sephiroth sephiroth was created so uh, let, let me Se... see if i can explain it and you can correct me so they made sephiroth as a clone of jenova dr hojo put Genova cells in his wife when she was pregnant and gave birth to Sephiroth. Yeah. yeah. And then so, Sephiroth was just, like, a guy. And that worked out pretty good, so that's how they make soldiers. They give a bunch of Mako energy in Genova cells. Uh, did Sephiroth die for real when Cloud killed him? In the past? Uh, uh he, he, he died in the same way that Aerith did when... Right, so yes. Sephiroth kills her. So the so, answer like, to that question is yes. He died for yeah. real. And then at that but point, like, like, they find Genova in Shinra HQ, and it shapeshifts into Sephiroth because it makes like a connection with Cloud or something? Yeah, like, the, the only time you ever actually um, see the real Sephiroth is, is when... The first time you see the real Sephiroth is the one that's in the cocoon, where uh, okay. Cloud... Like, where, where Cloud, like, reaches into the cocoon to give him the black materia. I see. Okay. Like, that's that's the first time you see the real Sephiroth. Is it? Because they mentioned that Genova also went to the North Pole. Yeah, but, but, that's, but that's specifically where Sephiroth is so he can absorb the life stream because he intends to summon Meteor there. No, sure. I get that. I'm just wondering, like, is, is the original thing called Sephiroth even, like, existent after Cloud kills him in the past, or is it just Genova in the shape of Sephiroth? In so that it... So it, it... it The the popular interpretation is that, yes, that is the real Sephiroth. Okay. Who has just, like, basically merged with the live stream. I guess follow-up question, how do you get from, uh, like, Nibble, Mount Nibble to the North Pole, then? Well, because at because remember, like when Genova initially landed, the life stream was going to that area to heal. Right. The okay. Yeah. So the life stream just travels all throughout the planet like veins. Sure. So when he fell into the life stream, he just ended up drifting toward that same wound. That's just kind of where everything washes up if it falls into the life stream. Yeah, and also like you can you can also headcan it as like. And this might even be implied, but because Genova, because Sephiroth has Genova cells, yeah. uh, because of reunion, that was always where he was going to eventually end up. Okay, sure. Yeah. All right. That's fair, I guess. I just, it's, uh, I don't care yeah. is the main thing. 
But yeah, he, he was he was sitting in that cocoon just, like, remaking his body. Like, none of this is all that interesting to me is the problem. Like, there's good stuff in FF7, and it's none of this. <laughs> the stuff is just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's... I don't know, it's so much... Um... I mean, it's basically Lavos, but, but worse. Yeah, but at least Lavos isn't ever, like... Like, Lavos is just fucking Lavos. Like, it's just a monster it gonna attack. You gotta do something yeah. about it. Like, there's not a whole lot of business with Lavos. It just is what it is. Whereas Genova's very confusing and to no real end. Yeah, I think... I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to decide, like... I feel like it, the game would be better served if... Um, Genova was... Or not necessarily. You could you could probably still keep Genova as like a catalyst, yeah, but not as like an actual important entity. But like more Genova as a reason for why like the soldiers exist and why like Sephiroth decides to like make Genova an actual ancient, uh-huh. uh huh, and just have Sephiroth's motivation stay as like, hey, these people killed like all my ancestors. I think that would work really well, yeah. What if I killed them back? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could totally uh, do that. Um, my big galaxy brain idea for how you make the this story better, because I think the whole third act of the story is really bad. Like, I think the part that you talked about earlier where Cloud and Tifa fall into the live stream, I think that scene's great. And then I did not care about a single moment after that. Well, yeah, a lot of the stuff in Act 3 as well is just, like, gotta find the huge materia. All the huge materia shit, all the, we gotta go to space, uh, well, we fell out of space. We gotta have a submarine Fight diamond adventure. weapon three times. Fight a, a kaiju. Not diamond, ultima weapon, I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah, fight a kaiju a couple times. Go back to Midgar, because uh, let's, let's just kill Hojo. Fuck that dude. Uh... <laughs> It all just felt a lot like padding, and it's all held together by this Sephiroth Genova stuff that I've already said I find kind of boring. Um, so my big, uh, very smart boy rewrite of this game that came out 20 years ago and is universally beloved <laughs> <laughs> is uh, you change it up so that uh, Rufus is the final villain. And you make it so that uh, yeah, Genova was, like, a monster that landed on Earth, whatever. It's not a threat anymore. Uh, Shinra has it completely contained. They made Sephiroth out of it. And, like, Sephiroth has all these points where he's, like, taunting Cloud for just being, like, oh, just this silly little doll that's going to do whatever I want you to. Have, like, a big undercutting moment where Rufus basically does the same thing to Sephiroth. Because the entire time... Sephiroth has been just doing what Shinra wanted him to without realizing it by, like, opening up the life stream for them to suck it out with Mako reactors. And then fucking have Cloud and Sephiroth team up to fight Rufus! That's And that's yeah, my fan that, fiction. Yeah, that, that would be... That would be better, I think. Yeah, like, that, that holds on to all the, like, anti-capitalism, environmentalism stuff from the first third of the game that completely falls away. Yeah, and, like, if any, it gets complicated because Rufus ends up, like... Because, like, the entire reason that Diamond Weapon gets destroyed is because Rufus uses a bunch of Mako reactors to there's power a, Sister Ray. There's a bunch of stuff in the second half of the game that is all about how 
You know, we've been fighting Shinra this whole time. But, hi, it's me, Barrett. I'm up on this cold mountain, and you know what? It's no fun. If I had to live here, I'd want to change nature. I guess Shinra's not so bad after all. You know, maybe every, maybe the true answer's somewhere in the middle. And then, yeah. like, Rufus isn't a good guy yeah. at the end, but he helps fight the, the, like, existential threats and, like, is kind of an uneasy ally at the end. Yeah, it's very weird. It's a very weird choice. Right, so, like... Act 1 of this game is all about environmentalism and, like, all the planet is dying because of Shinra. And then Act 2 is all about, like, clouds, self-doubt. My idea for Act 3 would be you dovetail both of those and Sephiroth and Cloud both have crises of identity and understand that, uh, yeah, capitalism has alienated them from themselves and they can fight to reclaim what belongs to them. Yeah, you could have a moment where Sephiroth's like, oh, make, maybe being an eco-fascist actually just hurts all these poor people and the, the capitalists still benefit from my actions. Right, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should point my nine-foot-long katana at the people who deserve it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, yeah, Genova, there, there's too much time spent on, like, Genova weirdness. Yeah, or, like, we brought the weapons, and, like, the weapons are weird. And in a different game that was about them, they'd be cool. They're basically Evangelion angels. Yeah, but also, it's just like, alright, these things are supposed to heal the planet. They don't really seem to be doing that. I thought they were almost like... Well, they're supposed to be, like, antibodies. Right, they just, like, like indiscriminately attack anything they perceive as a threat to the planet, which means Midgar. Yeah. Yeah, but also, like, yeah, most of them are optional. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, one dot, two of them die in cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why even have them? Why even have them? Yes. So yeah, I don't know. There, I was, in a lot of ways, FF7, like, pleasantly surprised me. In a lot of other ways, I was like, oh, well, you kind of blew it. You had something here, but you didn't really... I'm kind of bored now. So... The, the question I want to ask is, if you didn't already know that there are games that were set after FF7, as well as an entire movie set after FF7, yeah. what would you have thought happened after immediately after the cutscene where Holy happens doesn't doesn't do what it's supposed to it fails to stop the meteor and then the live stream comes up and fades to black uh like on Eris. um and then the very next scene you get is like 600 years in the future yeah. where it's red 13 and his his two his two children like heading overlooking a overgrown like uh tokyo jungle style midgar uh no i mean i took it as like uh just the i just figured the live stream coming up was like part of holy and it all just kind of came up and it was just the the triumphant music is swelling like it doesn't feel like an ambiguous ending like yeah it's stopping the meteor uh and then it just like yeah midgar doesn't exist anymore like i i assumed people were still around and just like Midgar got abandoned because Midgar was a bad place. Like, yeah. they, I, I could easily see if that cutscene was five minutes longer, Red 13 shows his cubs, like, Midgar, and they're like, anyway, let's go hang out in Calm. That place rules. 
<laughs> yeah, like uh, that. That was my original interpretation as well. Like, I, I guess like, now that you've but said there it, was... I can see reading it that like all the humans are dead. Yeah, there was definitely a contingent of people before Advent Children came out where they were like, no, like there too like too many things happened. Like there were too many fail, too many people failed. So yes, Holy did stop the meteor and the planet is saved but the humans still all fucking died <laughs> like what the planet's fine people failed like because um because like uh there's just there were so many things that did not happen mm-hmm. how they were supposed to to like have a better success like Aerith dies really early on even though she does activate holy um but like Cla- uh, Sephiroth is able to intercept Holy for too long, uh, and they, they take they it takes too long for them to actually let Holy do what it's going to do. Uh, the Mako reactors have already sapped too much of the life stream strength. This all feel like I feel like this is less of an ambiguous ending and more of a Rorschach test ending. Yeah, like, I don't think is. it's ambiguous. It's just not like explicit yeah i never really agreed with the like, I think idea if you that take the ending the that way died. you're just kind of a pessimist yeah i never it was why i never really agreed with that interpretation but also i could see how one would come to it yeah and, also, and they definitely like, do hint that like that's a possibility yeah like oh but also holy like, might at think the, that humans are an even bigger threat than meteor yeah but also like at the end one thing i noticed like uh watching the cutscene compilation um, because uh, I want to see like some of the final cutscenes, uh, is that uh, after after it fades out from Red Thirteen scene at the end, you hear children laughing. Which like, why oh, would you yeah. have that if people weren't still around? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then Advent Children confirms that like, yeah, no humans are still around. But now we have Geo Stigma, where <laughs> where because the live stream all came out, people are being infected by Genova cells that were, like, scattered throughout the live stream when it died. This sounds dumb. It is... Look, yes. It is... <laughs> Advent Children is very dumb. Yeah, it doesn't sound uh, good. But also, Tifa does get a pretty cool fight scene, even even though she does lose at the end, which is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, it's... It, what's funny to me is like FF both FF seven and eight honestly have pretty similar endings in terms of like you don't really get to know exactly what happens after the final scene. You just kind of have to extrapolate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mind that. Like, I like listen. I I've liked things that end that way. That's not a problem if it's done well. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me that like they they did that for the first two PS One games, and then after that, like the other endings were all the like all their endings since then have been much more explicit. Yeah, well, and again with seven at least I haven't played eight. It does feel in a lot of ways that like they don't totally know what they're doing. Like FF Six and probably also ones before it. I don't know had like big stories, but they're told in a very like video gamey way. This one is the first one that's, like, trying to make it more cinematic, and it just seems like they are kind of learning how to tell cinematic stories in 
in ways that sometimes result in kind of cool results. Yeah, and are all and are also trying to figure out like a balance between like serious and goofy. Yeah, which which sometimes works and sometimes does not. Right. Yeah. 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 But no, like some, I have not played a ton of other FF games, but this one felt experimental to me in a way that I don't think any other FF games have. And it's not again, it's not trying to like. It, it's not anything. It's not something I've never seen before, but it's something I don't see very often in like pieces of like pop culture. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating game. Yeah, <laughs> just because of like all all the stuff that it tries to do. Yeah, like the cutscene in the Black Materia uh, temple, where it's like you're seeing the party's face superimposed over like a flashback of uh, what's his name, Seng, the leader of the Turks. Of like him oh, getting, yeah. of like him getting murdered, and then all of that is superimposed over Sephiroth monologuing to himself, which is also superimposed over Sephiroth, Sephiroth looking into the camera. It's like that's that's interesting. That's more that's weirder like film technique than I would expect to see out of a like JRPG. Yeah, and from what I recall, like you don't really get that in later Final Fantasies. Yeah, um, at least not to that like bizarre extent mm-hmm. like uh ff7 8 and 10 all have a little bit of that um in in very specific specific sequences but it never gets like that bizarre and abstract from yeah. what i recall or like there's times where like the way like they're making imagery out of the limitations of the game where it's like oh this scene has three different cloud models all clipping through each other as they animate differently like, because they couldn't... Like, these days, that would just be a, an after-image effect, where, like, you're just seeing, like, a ghost image after him, and, like, I've seen that a million times. Yeah. The way they do or, it in this game, because it's the only way they could do it, is a little more novel. Or in KH3, the way they do it is just they, they put you in a weird geometry afterlife and have you chase down copies of yourself well, that's to what I was gonna incorporate say. them into your body. The, the, the one thing I can think of that kind of reminds me of that is that bit in KH3 where... Yeah, you're collecting copies of yourself, but each copy of Sora is, like, a different animation cycle of him. Yeah. And that's neat. That's the only yeah. other example I can <laughs> think of uh, of seeing that kind of thing in this kind of game. Yeah, both both by Nomura. Yeah, weird. <laughs> well, FF7, <laughs> he did the, like, character art. Uh, I, I think he was... I think he had a little more, a little more influence than that, if I recall. Did he? Um... Yeah, I, I believe so. He he certainly didn't have like as much influence over at the original Life of Seven as he did over Cage Three. Right. But um, yeah, he was not the director. He uh, was the the main artist behind it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I don't. I guess I don't know how that translates into like was he working on animations or just like uh, concept art and the backgrounds and stuff. I don't know. Oh, he also was one of four writers on it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so he was a writer on it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe he had an influence over that. But, it, yeah, who, who knows who got to... Uh, right. I mean, regardless, like, even that if that scene. wasn't his idea, you can see where, like, he was influenced by his time working on this game. Yeah. Um, how did... I feel like we haven't really talked about the battle system at all, and I do want to get to that before 
like we sort of start wrapping up. Okay, yeah. Um, but how how did you feel about the the battle system and, and all like and and materia specifically? Uh, materia was really annoying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially because if you wanted to switch out a party member, it meant sitting in a menu for ten minutes while you swapped all your materia over. Mm-hmm. And then, or a time when, like, oh, this character's not in your party anymore. Hope you had more uh, healing materia than what they had, because otherwise you don't get a healer for a while. Yeah, or, or especially, like, battles where it's, like, a solo battle and you weren't necessarily prepared for that. And so yeah. they maybe don't have any materia at all. Right, and when you combine that with the save system, uh, which is bad, it's, uh, it, can be, it can be real shitty sometimes. As much as I enjoyed all the like uh, quality of life stuff they added for the Switch version, uh, if I replayed it, I might choose to do it on an emulator where I could, you know, use save states. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Final Fantasy franchise ditches save points until FF fifteen, at least in terms of single player games. Oof, because I, I definitely know eight, nine, and ten. And 12 all have save points. I'm pretty sure that 13 also has save points. Cool. Yeah, yeah. FF13 also uses save points. Save points in themselves aren't necessarily bad. It's just they're very, like, sparse in this game. And, like, for example, in at the end dungeon, they don't give you a save point right before the final boss gauntlet. And that sucks. So, I apologize. So, actually, the very first game where they both had auto-saves and allowed you to save manually outside of battle was FF13-2. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, both the sequels to Final Fantasy XIII ditched save points entirely. Gotcha. So that's, that's when they finally get rid of them. Well, because Lightning Returns isn't, like, that's almost more of an action game, right? Kinda, yeah. Um, you... You definitely see uh, influences of Lightning Returns in FF7 Remake. Okay, sure. Uh, per- particularly with how they how they use the ATB as like an action economy. Right. Okay. Um, also, funnily enough, FF7R has a Crystarium. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, it's a leveling system in FF13, but in FF7 Remake, it's used specifically for the weapons that you get. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there, there's some things about Square Enix's design that, like, they, they hold on to until the bitter end. Sure, yeah, that, you see that in a lot of old, like, long-running franchises where it's like, come, just make it, just make it the good way. I get this is how (laughs) you always did it, but we know better now. But yeah, I mean, thankfully in, at least in FF10, I think that like the save points are actually pretty plentiful, uh-huh. um, and like are usually put in, in in good locations. The only problem about FF10 and like all the other FF games that come before it is that you cannot skip cutscenes. Oh, oh. And, uh, uh, so would I be so right in assuming sa- there are save points before boss fights where there are long cutscenes first? Yeah, there's a particularly Yay. infamous one in FF10. Uh, right before, uh, well, in case, in, right before a particular boss fight that uh-huh. is infamous for having, being a particularly long cutscene. I see. Um, 
So I, sort of like sort of like how in Kingdom Hearts One, there's a save point right before you fight uh, Riku in Hollow Bastion. Oh sure. That is also a very difficult fight that's easy to die in. That also proceeds. Uh, all, that's also directly after a long cutscene. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I don't mind save points as long as they're plentiful. And I, I wonder if that thing with like the unscuffable kit scenes. I wonder if someone there is trying to defend it as like a design uh choice in the sense of like yeah if you're getting killed by the boss the long unskippable cutscene is a deterrent to keep you from trying over and over and instead leaving to go grind yeah i don't know i think that's bad reasoning but i could see someone making that case yeah but uh yeah it's i don't know it's a game that i don't msf is a game i don't particularly find fun to play anymore yeah. Um, but I do still like the story. I had fun playing it. Um, I would not have had the patience to get through it without the fast forward button. <laughs> uh, but with, uh, with those tools, I enjoyed playing it. And I liked two thirds of the story a lot, like way more than I expected to. And then I disliked the ending third about as much as I expected to dislike the whole thing. I... I cannot wait to find out to, to, to see you play more of FF7R. Yeah. Cause like because directly after the the first Mako Reactor sequence is when interesting things start happening. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've played through that the story. Yeah, like I have, oh, okay. I've like met up with Tifa and was like doing side quests in Sector Seven when I stopped. Oh, okay. So oh so I, you I have seen the thing part. you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. And, like, that makes sense to me, because they're stopping at Midgar, and they want to bring in some of the stuff from later in the game. Like, that's not that much of a weird change. Yeah, so I... <laughs> I can't I can't wait to see what you think of FF7R. Yeah, um, I'm. I, the fact that people are so divided about how it ends has me really excited about it. Yeah, I I personally like how it ends quite a bit. Um, even if I think it's it's done kind of sloppily, okay. I I am very excited for the potential of what it means. Um, let my me, best friend. Let me ask you this without getting too deep into spoilers about it, because I do just okay. want to see it myself. Sure. Is it? Am I gonna play through it and be like, well, shit? I guess I needed to play Crisis Core also or something. No. Okay. I have all the context I need to understand how weird it is. Yeah, yeah, you you already have all the context you need. Like, yeah, I I can't think of anything you'd because I barely remember Crisis Core. I don't need to go watch Advent um, Children or anything. No, okay, no. Yeah, there's there's like zero references to Advent Children from what I recall, cool. uh, or at least nothing that's at all important. All right. Um, same thing with Crisis Core. Like, the the only thing that it it that FF7R references in the game that Crisis Core also has in common is Zack saving Cloud and being his buddy right. and dying. Um, and that's also in just the normal FF7. Sure. Uh, and, like, yeah, unless unless F unless the FF7 remake, the, the following games start talking about, like, Genesis or whatever, like, it, it Crisis Core is not going to matter. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you're good. You, 
If you if you want to, I suppose you could. But I don't you, really. You really don't. You you don't need I, to. I, mean, I even kind of. I, I even right like Crisis Core. Yeah. But you don't need to play Crisis Core. I had an okay time playing FF Seven. Uh, if it had stuck the landing better, I might be more eager to check out some of the spinoff stuff. But also, I feel like the opinions about that spinoff stuff is incredibly mixed. Yeah, like, I, I don't think Advent Children is a good movie, but it does have some, like, fun, goofy action scenes. Uh, I think Crisis Core is actually a good, a pretty fun game to play, but the story elements it introduces outside of, like, expanding on Zack, Sephiroth, and Cloud's relationship is basically pointless. Yeah. Uh, which is largely what it focuses on, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, it, I, I, one thing I will give FF7 a lot of credit for: it really underplays like the gut punch that Aerith's uh, first boyfriend was Zack. Yeah, like that's a very missable detail unless you're connecting dots. Yeah, like you don't even have to go to that village and like learn about who Zack was and learn that it was Aerith's boyfriend. Yeah, I I will say like the the dialogue between uh, Zach and Aerith in Crisis Core is pretty cute. Yeah. Um, it also reveals that like uh, when Zach initially falls into the church and Aerith like finds him, uh, Zach agrees to pay her back for uh, helping him out by offering one date. All right, you're getting a little too cute with it. Like, yeah, it's already enough of a parallel. It doesn't have to be beat for beat the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but see, this time it's Zach doing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Th- there's there's nothing important about Crisis Core. Cool. Glad. <laughs> Good. So you can just go straight in. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to do that then. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and then we'll we'll come back to talk about uh, FF7 Remake yeah. uh, after you're finished with it. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say, um, something I did while I was playing through FF7, because I mentioned, not a very good translation. Uh, sometimes to the point that it is difficult to, under- to parse what people are saying. Oh, yeah. Like, occasionally text boxes are just word salad. Um uh, Tim Rogers, who is a guy who's been writing things about video games since, like, oh, I was Oh, boy, has he written kid. so much. Sometimes some real dumb shit, but sometimes some shit I like. Uh, yeah, he he's a very a series... mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, I, I like his more recent stuff uh, pretty much across the board. I remember not liking him as much when I was younger. Uh, but he did a series called Let's Mosey, where he kind of, like, went point for point through, like, the entire first half of FF7 and talked about, like, the localization job. And, like, okay, here's what it says in the Japanese. Here's how the localizer ended up with it saying this thing that makes no sense. Here's probably what, like, a smarter translation would be. And it was very interesting. It also helped me understand what the fuck was happening in a couple scenes. (laughs) Huh. I should probably check that out, because that that actually does sound fascinating. Yeah, it, like, goes up until Aerith dies, and then he does, like... At that point, he just says, like, all right, I've covered half the game. You can pretty much, like, reverse engineer the rest of the dialogue in this game to understand, like, the ways in which it was better written in Japanese yeah. based on the examples I've given you. 
Yeah, because it's all the same logic now. Right, yeah, yeah. And then he just skipped ahead and explained the Let's Mosey line at the end. <laughs> uh, the greatest line in FF7. It's so good. <laughs> it's like the person... It's It's funny because it probably wasn't intentional that they did it. No, it's not. This way. But it's just like the per- the perfect way to communicate that like, oh, Cloud's back to like being just like a goofy dude yeah it's just like this is cloud now this is not cloud trying to be zach it's anymore. it's uh it serves basically the same purpose in japanese but for different reasons uh i learned this from this video series when Aerith dies and you're like regrouping cloud says let's go in a way that like in japanese is um very like withdrawn and like it's supposed to be like yeah he's like completely defeated but he needs to keep going and he's just like let's 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 just go and then at the end of the game he says it in the same way and Sid yells at him to like buck up and sound more like a leader but they don't he just says like let's go in english and that like nuance isn't there <laughs> that he's not like repeating what he said but when Aerith died <laughs> so he's just yeah. saying let's mosey because he doesn't say let's mosey after Aerith dies <laughs> tragically highly inappropriate yeah god okay now, granted, uh, it is 2020, and the graphics of this game don't impress the way they would have in 1997. Aerith's death scene is extremely funny, though. It, yeah, it is, because, like, Sephiroth just, like, descends from the ceiling. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the opposite effect of I'm... I'm leave. I'm going back to my home planet. And then, yeah. and then just, like, the sword just, like, goes... The sword model just... Clips into the Aerith model. Yeah, well, and then when it cuts back to cut away from the FMV, and Sephiroth is just standing perfectly still with his arms up in, like, a Y pose. It's, I cracked up laughing when I saw that. It's very why, funny. Why, why pose to assert dominance over your murder victim? <laughs> He's, like, praising the sun because he just beat the Dark Souls boss. He's praising Genova, Luke. Right, Yeah. <laughs> It's very uh, funny to me that the entire game is about how, oh, we have to save the planet. Uh, and then Sephiroth's final attack is a move that murders the entire solar system. Mul- yeah, and he can do it multiple times. Right, like, and I understand that you're not supposed to take that, like, diegetically, but it does kind of undercut the stakes of the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't really think of anything else I want to say about FF7. Yeah, I think that about covers it. <laughs> yeah, so that that's sort of our, our rambly uh, discussion about FF7. I think uh, FF7R is, I think, where we're really going to get into yeah. the meat of, like, FF7 as it exists in our collective consciousness versus, like, what what ff7 is trying to be today that yeah uh, all right sure <laughs> um because like th- there are definitely some changes made to it that are meant to update f the original ff7 for modern sensibilities not not just sure. with graphics but just with like content I, I um well yeah and i mean listen we did not talk about wall market at all here i'm not qualified to talk about wall market no yeah, one should give when, a shit about my opinion about wall market yeah, when we get to Walmart, I'm basically just going to like read a uh, a section from a Kotaku article that I think 
talking about it. I think I read the Kotaku well. article you mean. Yeah, the the one uh, written by Todd Harper. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, but yeah, um, but yeah, we we kind of we kind of skipped like the really the really uh, messy stuff about FF seven because we're we're gonna have to get into it anyway when we talk about yeah, FF seven R. Yeah, again, I'm I'm a straight cis guy. Like my opinion is pointless about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we'll 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 briefly touch on it with FF seven R because it 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 is kind of important to discussing like what changes were made and why. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, until then, uh, I'll see you later, Luke. Let's mosey. Let's mosey on out of here. <laughs>